Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weishi Coaching Radio Show and Podcast. That's my dog barking in the background. <laughs> when we're on the radio, we're on 91.8 Hayes FM. When I'm at home, it's the podcast. I'm swearing and dog barking and all sorts of things are going on around here. Yes, hello. <laughs> He's in the background kicking me. Right, today's episode is with Dean Colson from The Lean Warrior. Um, I'd spent the morning listening to his podcasts that he'd done previously, listened to his videos on YouTube, and I had so many questions I wanted to ask him, and we ran out of time and ended up just chatting, but it was a really good conversation. I hope you're going to enjoy it. Dean is from a fitness and nutrition background. He, his motivation was helping his mum, who had um, illnesses when he was younger, and also his wife, when him and his wife couldn't conceive um, naturally, and they were going through fertility. So, which is one of the reasons I actually spoke to him in the first place, because that's something that I struggled with in my journey as well, that I've spoken about on other podcasts. One of the reasons that I became body positive and stopped dieting to help my body recover and be able to be fertile in the first place. So that was something that we had in common, but it turns out we have so much other stuff as well in terms of the mindset and um, the way that we help people. So I really enjoyed this episode, this interview, and I hope that you do too. I'm interested to get to know you face to face. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I think, I mean, if we start from the beginning, if you tell us a little bit about your story. Right, okay. So, um, I was always interested in computers, funny enough. It was IT was my thing, or so I thought. Um, it wasn't until probably about 10 years ago when I was, I had my own IT business. And, uh, but the thing is with the IT business is, like, even though I was doing IT and I, I was a contractor, all I ever did was train, read about training, read about nutrition, and that was my thing. So it never occurred to me for a second that I would be in the fitness or wellness industry space, whatever you want to call it. And even when I was contracting, I remember thinking that would be a good thing for my wife to do, personal training. I even bought her a book. Never, as I said, never even occurred to me that that was something that, that I would be heading towards. And I was working in an office, and this guy was saying, oh, I'm doing this new program. I said, oh, where, where did you get that from? He said, it's online. It's this, it's this program. And he showed me. And I looked at it and thought, wow, I could do that. It was like one of those things. It wasn't that I was good or bad. It was just a realization. That was the first little click. Uh, wow, I, I could actually make some money from that. Uh, and at the time, I was, started, I, was, I was just losing interest and uh, motivation in, like, with IT. It's just not something that was floating me boat anymore. I think it was, it was part of this awakening. There's there'd been a few things before that which we'll get to, uh, but it was just that, that was when it was like the real flip for me, that, that was the realisation that I'm not here to be sitting in an office, I'm here to help people to, you know, improve their lives. The time it was fitness and nutrition, because that was my big thing, mindset was kind of there, but it wasn't a big thing. Um, and from there, that's when I thought, right, I want to do that, how can I do that? And obviously when you get your focus on that, that's when things start happening, things start opening up to you as to how you can do that. And it was always about getting, doing training online. This was before really Facebook was a thing. Uh, it was just starting out. It was all in forums. This is what this was done. And when I started, I started doing Those some maths. Days. <laughs> yeah, yes. Before social media. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And, and like I thought, wow. And I was looking and thinking, he's making X, Y, Z money. If this is, if I'm reading this correctly, Christ, I've got to get into this. What I didn't realize at the time was this guy was a brilliant marketer. I had no clue what marketing was. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was the start. Um, and I could just see a way of moving out of where I was because I said I was just losing interest in it. 
And so I started looking at what was possible. And at the same time, which is which makes sense to me, I started going to a course called a masterclass. It was a guy called Jeff Thompson, who is was a, was like a world authority and self protection martial artist. And I'd followed him for since the early two thousands. I'd just come across him, and I trained with him a few times. He's based down in Coventry. I used to travel there, and. I'd read all of his books and like he wrote a lot of books around fear and self-development because of fear. And I was just massively, it massively resonated with me. I was very inspired by it. And there was a book called Shapeshift that he wrote, which like just opened my eyes again and said, wow, I actually do anything I really want to. I, I just didn't realize how close-minded I had been. Um, and so that's that was when I started right on to do this. And then I realized he actually did something like it was a, like a six-month course, one one afternoon a month down in Coventry. Uh, I thought, I've got to go there. I've got to find the money to do that. So that's what I did. And once I started, I trained with him for five years. Um, and even so though... Was that training, training was to do martial arts? Or were you training to do some kind of mindset? Well, here's the thing. It, it, it was martial arts based um, because it was all about self-protection. But what I didn't realise at the time was it was really self-protection against the self. Um, so against your thoughts, against everything else. Exactly. You know, that's like, the thing. I feel like martial arts... and. When I heard your interview earlier and you said martial arts was the beginning of your everything, and I'm like, oh my God, like me too, because I had exactly yeah. the same background. It was martial arts that very first gave me the confidence to even think that I could teach. And there's yeah. so many things that you learn in martial arts that I feel are almost like trickery. You don't know it at the time that you're learning. It's like the wax on, wax off. And then later yes, on yeah. in life, you're like, ah, oh, like it gives you good foundations. It does, and it, it's not even—it's not even just the physical side of it. It's like it's sort of the martial arts ethics, if you like, you know, self-respect and you know, perseverance, self-control. Yeah. Yeah. These were the things I was like, you know, I've been a martial artist since I was 15, uh, and I've you know continued that. I've been trained for over 30 years in martial arts. I've been you know, downgrades in different martial arts. Uh, and as I say, the Jeff, Jeff Thompson, it was like, yeah, I would do martial arts, but when I was down there, it was about self-protection and protect myself because I had a real issue with fear. Yeah, I had black belts in kickboxing stuff, but I still felt massive fear. I thought I couldn't protect myself. I thought, well, how can that be when I feel, you know, when I've got these black belts and, it, you know, and it just turns out that the, way, the reason why he resonated because he was in the same place. He got black belts when he was young guy and he felt massive fear. And so he, he went on the door in Coventry for nine years, something I didn't do. Um, that's he's happy he wanted to conquer his fear. Uh, I know. Yeah. And it, apparently it was one of the, mo it was the most violent city in, in, in Europe at the time. Uh, per like sort of person you know among the people in a city um and that's why it resonated so much because there was a similar you know storyline there was a similar theme and so when i went down there that's what i want to learn i want to understand my own fear and understand how i protect myself and my family but when you go down there it's not just about the physical stuff it was about self-protection against yourself it was about the mental side of the game it was about the spiritual side it was about the emotional side and you started talking about metaphysical stuff we started talking about all manner of things it was like you know, blowing my mind um and and so that's why i just kept going i just like that was a six-month course i'm going to do it again and then i was invited on uh, this black belt course which was an invitation only uh and i did that which was great uh and then i continued training with him and then he asked me then he created a what he calls a self-sovereignty course where a lot of like um directors and ceos of, Companies in London would be approaching them to do something different than what he was doing. And so he created this, which was like one day a month for six months. Uh, and he asked me, because he knew my background in nutrition and training, he asked me to present on that, which was really 
really great experience. You just opened up the more like a different reality, a different perspective in life, and where you know different people and different um, lifestyles, backgrounds all come together. And it was it was very powerfully. He created that a powerful experience on purpose because he wanted to get the right people in the room because he was all about getting that energy right. He was very like Jeff's really a spiritual guy. And so I tried to end up training but setting down with Jeff. But again, that was just like it was just a ideas of vibes that you've done something really like for me it was that whole journey just transformed everything. It all started uh, that realization in IT and reading these shape shift I wouldn't realise I don't have to do that. I can do anything I want. And then by being with him for that length of time. And because um, because of that and during that time I've just I realized that I wasn't here just to be a personal trainer or a coach. I was here to empower and inspire people, which is why I did so many videos. I, I went on a, it was two years uh, almost worth of videos. So I was just doing daily videos on Facebook. That's what those videos are on YouTube. Uh, just because it was like how I felt at the time. It was like I was like doing self-inventories. I'd say, okay, I'm still not where I want to be. I've still got fear. What's that fear? And so that was like an outlet of how I felt in the same time and how I was progressing. And, you know, if there was any stuff that came up that that made me feel vulnerable, I shared it, even though I felt like I didn't want to, because I'm thinking, hold on, I'm going to share the story. And it looks like I'm moving great. And all of a sudden, it's just going all the hell. <laughs> and so and I didn't want to share that. I didn't think I'm a fraud. I'm telling people this is how it's working for me. But then I realized it's not that. It's just part of a journey. You, you always have these challenges that come up. It's just how you address those challenges. So that, that's that's where we sort of got to. But of course, as we thought about like before this, all this today is the catalyst for all of that about being fit was my mom being ill in my teens. That was the first thing where I felt frustrated because I couldn't help my mom, but at the same time she wasn't. I felt like she wasn't there for me. Uh, of course, that was just like that my teenage self. That would be my, me not feeling safe uh, in a subconscious level. And, you know, I understand that now, but the time was just, mom's not there for me. And I was getting frustrated by that. And I always vowed that I would never allow that to happen to me. Uh, and that's when I started the martial arts. That's when I started looking at physical training, going to the gym, uh, and like all manner of things. I didn't look at the nutrition so much then. I just went went along with the government food pyramid of skim milk, whole wheat bread, and all that, that stuff which then changed when my wife and I tried to have kids and we tried for five years and successful. And then we tried IVF twice, which didn't work either. And it was quite a harrowing at the time that, that was like, we just didn't know what else to do. We wanted kids and we couldn't have kids. And then, we, and then you see all these other people having kids as if it was the easiest thing in the world. And it was just something that wasn't working for us. And I didn't accept unexplained fertility. I didn't, but the, you know the doctors were saying I thought there's got to be another way. I wasn't prepared to accept that that was the only way, just because the doctor said it. So that's when I started looking at. Uh, I started reading books. Found uh, a guy called Patrick Holford. I bought so all already, of his books. You were already teaching fitness, and you were already doing nutrition at the time. Then I wasn't teaching fitness. I was still in IT. Okay. So that was nineteen ninety nine. It was like fitness came five years later. Um, so. I was still IT then, and which just didn't understand. But that's that's when the nutrition thing. So I was training myself, and I was keeping myself fit, and I was in martial arts. Uh, but I didn't really understand what health meant. 
which is why I'm so passionate about health, like as opposed to people focusing on fat loss and all that kind of stuff. Health for me is, you know, the physical, emotional, uh, mental and spiritual. All four have to be at the same level. There's not one up here and one down there. Yeah. have to be all in the same time. And it's absolutely possible to, to do that. But so many people, you know, do the physical stuff. They might do a diet here, but they're not going to address uh, emotional issues that they're going to face here. And, of course, that impacts because that's, you know, a lot of emotion it comes from the fact that you're unwilling to face things, so you distract yourself with whatever that could be. It could be alcohol, it could be, could be food, it could be drugs, it could be anything, really. Um, so when I started looking at the, the, what health really meant then, and I, I bought all these books from Patrick Hope, but I even, I even spoke to him. I, I, I paid to, to have a chat with him. I've seen local nutritionists. Uh, I started reading uh, other books, um, I, what else did we do? I found, found Dr. Marilyn Glenville, who was a fertility nutritionist based down in London, but she did consultations. She had a team and we consulted with them. Uh, and that really, you know, already on that sort of train with Vincent Nutrition's tutorial, like how things like wheat aren't always the best thing to eat every day. Uh, or like I would, that was the first time I learned I was I had lactose intolerance. Who knows this had been blocked since I was 13 and I had uh, two operations, which were never successful because I was still having dairy products, which was still creating the issue. And from there, when we seen that, that nutritionist first, we came home, we didn't eat anything that night. We're looking at my cupboards. But it wasn't that it was like a massive, it wasn't scaremongering, it was just that huge realization that we're putting stuff in my body that could potentially prevent us from having what we really want. And it was massive because at the time there was no gluten-free aisles in supermarkets. That was never really a thing. It was just really starting off. So but we managed to find a way to buy food which which didn't have wheat in, which didn't have dairy in. There was alternatives that we could use. And we started realizing that we didn't have to eat bread. We didn't because it's so easy to eat bread and pasta every day or cereal in the morning. And once we got our head around that, we improved our nutrition, improved our nutrition, and we've seen um, consultant for fertility and we were given different supplements we were checked the hair mineral analysis and that kind of stuff and it came back that you know i was deficient in different things joy was and so we brought that up and it was the thing that made the difference was uh, they give me a herbal tincture which had soul pan in and something else which i can't remember the name of and i started taking that every day and maturation of sperm is like three months and it was three more or less three months after i started taking that that joy conceived and there's just there's just no possible reason that i would consider believing other than the fact that we changed our health or changed our nutrition and that give us you know the opportunity to have kids and so uh we had we had sam he was born in 2004 uh but that wasn't without its own issues because then Joy, when she was pregnant, she had some form of like anxiety disorder with being pregnant um, because of like things in her past. Um, and that was probably the most painful thing that she couldn't actually enjoy her pregnancy. The thing she wanted the most was the thing that was going to you know, affect her the most. And she was, you know, she, anxiety was horrible. She ended up in the hospital for five months. Um, I, I was, because I was working as an IT contractor, I was able to take time off. So I just stopped working for a bit just to support her. Um, but then it took her a while to recover. But I think having Sam helped her recover because it had that focus. 
and from that point, I was, you know, I was at that point, I was really into nutrition, and I was thinking, okay, you know, so I had to have medication. I could have affected Sam, so I was thinking, I'd like, make sure his nutrition's right. I didn't want to because I didn't believe in like, dairy milk, like formula milk, uh, in case he, like, he was lactose intolerant, like I was. So I found an alternative to that. It was it was goat's milk formula actually, which is very close to human milk. Uh, so that's what he had because he was lactose intolerant, and he actually is a lactose intolerant. Uh, and then like it was just making sure that he was nourished, with his, you know, as, as best we could do with the knowledge I had. But it was just just that real, you know, because of sound being born, and because it was because of looking at health in a different way and nutrition in a different way. That then thought, I've got to help people with this. It took us a few years. It was more, at first, it was just telling people who I, what I knew, who I worked with. But then I got to, as I said, met Jeff Thompson, like read his book. And that's when I thought, I'm not here to sit behind a desk and write computer programs. I'm here to inspire people, empower people, and share what I know. And hopefully, the message I have will inspire them to realize that they don't, that their, their life isn't the place where they want it to be, or they're not, you know, if they're struggling with. Um, trying to conceive or anything like that. I, I wanted people to know that there were, there's always another way. It just There's not one way. I always believe, you know, there's always another opportunity. There's always another possibility to do something. If that makes sense. Yeah, so is that why you're so passionate now about helping other people because of yes. the situation with your mum when you were younger with her health yeah. and then obviously yourself and your wife trying to conceive? Yeah, So you've been there and done it, um, and you have all the emotions that go with that as well. Exactly. I mean, that, and that's the, that's the next thing is the fact that when I, I got into that and I, I, I created a fitness business first, that's how I thought I can get in front of people and start helping people that way. Uh, but then I realized that there was other issues that people had. It wasn't about losing weight and turning up. That was, I, this, that was the service level stuff because that was the stuff that I thought mm. that was upsetting them but it was really that's what brings them through the door though isn't it the service level yes. stuff yeah. like help me yeah. change my that's body and then actually it's well what what's going on underneath that well i don't want to be lonely i don't feel lovable i can't have a relationship yeah. all of yes. that stuff it's exactly all of that stuff and then so that i always think see the thing is never the thing so as you say they come in for that and that's what you've got to meet them at their level you know so say okay i can help you with that but when you bring them in you say okay and this is then you have a chat with them, you start talking to them, and you give them those sort of that awareness of wow, I never considered that. Um, and that's what I've been doing a lot of work. So I did a lot of work in neuroscience at that point then because I wanted to understand how the brain worked, why people emotionally eat, why did they, when they were stressed, keep doing the same thing over and over. So I looked at neuroscience, understood how the brain does that. It's by design because it's all about safety. Um, and then that brought me on to something I've been working over the last year or so, which is emotional healing. Because um, again, that fits in with my the paradigm of what I believe health is. You know, the physical stuff is nutrition and the movement. The mental health stuff is neuroscience and how the brain works. And then of course, emotional stuff is like, I started really looking into a guy called Richard Moat, I think his name is. And he's like all about emotional energy and emotional healing. And uh, it was a few, few of that, um, health professionals that I sort of were brought aware of through like the nutritionist side, but they were talking to me about, um, you know, repressed emotions, which of course 
is like a blocked energy. So the body tries to bring it out in some other way just to try and let you know that something else is going on, which are that's mm. physical pain, disease. You mean like, you know? like Louise Hay talks about that, like emotional health. So for example, yeah. if you've got issues with your knees, apparently it's the inability to bend or move forward. If it's yeah. a back, it might be that you're unsupported in your relationship, something like that. Yeah, same thing with if you've got, um, you feel sensations or restrictions in your throat, it could be you don't you feel like you can't be heard. You know, there's always, there's lots of associations with absolutely. Um, and so I wanted to understand how I could help people release those emotions. Because when my wife went through that anxiety, she had another anxiety episode a few years ago for some other trigger. And things that we looked into, which obviously helped other people, wasn't help, just wasn't helping joy. So I thought there's got to be, you know, I'll believe there's more than one way, even though it was very successful those for whatever reason, it wasn't helping Joy. So um, I just by chance had a conversation with somebody beginning this year, a guy who was sort of like in Facebook group circles, if you like, a new other man, but a guy called Tim Neal. Uh, but I didn't, I hadn't really talked to him and I just by chance had a conversation about something and he told me about what him and his um, business partner, person Hamilton, developed called The Healing Code. It was, I think that business is called Express Yourself. And of course, it's about getting emotions out and expressing them and showing what's, you know, what potential, you know, how you're blocking things and by repressing things, you're stopping yourself from moving forward, like what you just said. And like, what Sometimes are you talking about? Sometimes we're not always aware of our emotions though, are we? I think because no, well, when I first started thing. personal development myself and I was doing all the affirmations, I was listening to all the yeah. videos and changing yeah, my state and making myself feel what I thought was happy. I really yeah. felt like I am just a happy person all the time. Like I never get down, I'm never angry. Yeah. But obviously these were emotions, they were like suppressed emotions that I yeah. didn't know at that particular time, at that layer, I wasn't ready to see. So it's yeah. really interesting, like everybody's journey and, and where you're at and obviously where I was at at that place. And I've heard it in other yeah. clients as well, where they just think, well, I'm just a happy person. I'm, I'm never yeah. angry or sad. Yeah. And that, you know, and I was exactly the same place before uh, there was a, I had a number of triggers going in the fitness business uh, and like actually helping people and then not being able to help people and taking it personally. Uh, then I uncovered a few emotions about rejection. Uh, I didn't like, like, I felt like everyone rejection, everyone's going to leave me. Uh, when I was when I was three, I was in hospital for my tonsils out and I knew that, we might, you know, I, I have vivid memories of that. I remember being in the cot with my hands crying, you know, my mom leaving when she left me. Um, and I remember walking down the corridor in the hospital. I remember the mask going over my face, like so vivid parts, so fragments of the memories. But what I didn't realize was I had an abandonment story playing my inner child, little young being was still in there, feeling abandoned by a person who was supposed to love him the most. I watched my mom leave. As an adult, I knew, you know, I've known the story all my life that my mom wanted to stay. She cried her eyes out all the way out of the hospital. Mm. As a three-year-old, I didn't see that, and I shared that with a friend, a friend of mine who was a coach for three years ago, and I shared it just via, via Skype, I was just talking on Skype, and I, when I actually told them about those vivid images, like I've just done with you, I actually broke down and sobbed for 10 minutes. The energy was energy release was massive, and I knew it, but I don't, I, I don't think I've ever talked about it. I think I just yeah. knew the story, I knew that was what it was, but I didn't realize there was so much repressed emotion about that. And then I realized. But that's the the thing. Those, are, those are massive things. So even though it may be yeah. seemingly a small event that happened at such a young age, 
those are yeah. massive things that you could then live with now as an adult, like abandonment, rejection. Yes. And yeah. like, how did those things show up in your life before you knew that they were connected to your three-year-old self? Um, well, in that, when I was in like IT and stuff, I, can't, I, haven't, I haven't, I've thought about this and I haven't really seen, I didn't see any evidence of that. I think it was when I started working with people like one-to-one -one, as opposed to like, like you know, business. Uh, I was like, like customer, like consumer, consumer. I, I was actually felt responsible for them and I was trying to help them. Even though I knew I could help them, they weren't in a position to be helped. Uh, and then they were leaving me, and so they abandoned me, and it was sort of, I started to retract, my business started to dive, um, because I was losing confidence in myself, because I thought it was my fault, mm. they're leaving me, and that's what I believed when my mom left, why, is she, why she left me, it must be my fault, uh, and so it's, that's when I started realizing that it was playing out, and even then I didn't realize that, I could see it, and I didn't like the feeling of it, and it was the same with my wife, I felt like, um, yeah, I was, she's going to leave me, at some point, but, that, but the trigger wasn't there until I started trying to help more people, which is but crazy. But it, that's that was that was where the trigger was. You know, everyone has different triggers for different things or different triggers for the same thing. You feel like a trigger yeah, could be gone because you can live years then, and years, can't you, without something triggering you and never knowing that it was an issue? Yeah, that's right. Um, and so this year, looking at emotional healing, the feeling code's all about when you get a trigger you actually just stop going to a quiet space and just feeling your body where the trigger is because there's a sensation somewhere because your body's telling you this is where you need to heal, this is where you need to address. But so many people, because uh, our basic needs are survival and feeling safe, if those basic needs aren't being met, so it's usually you know survival, so if you've got food, water, shelter, that type of stuff. The next thing is safety, and like I mentioned earlier, if you don't feel safe mentally or physically or emotionally, the body will create a story like a mind, you know, like a, a belief where it'll take you away from that, which is what sedation is, which is what, you know, like, oh, I, I'll just eat. But really it was like, I don't want to face this. Mm. So your brain immediately says, oh, well, it's time to eat, or it's time to drink, or it's time to do this. It's funny that I, I, I relate to that, and I, I always get the feeling of boredom. If there's something that yeah. there's an emotion that I don't want to feel, and I don't even know what yeah. it is yet, I know boredom comes yeah. up is the first thing, and then to yeah. deal with the boredom, it's okay, then let's reach for this, or let's reach for that. Yeah, so now I yeah. know if boredom um, comes up, then I need to find out what the emotion is. Yeah, so yeah, and the emotion is there, your body's telling you where to go. But and if, we, if we can just bring awareness to the fact that it's just a sensation and it doesn't mean anything, and if we just sort of sit with the sensation, we can actually focus towards it. Mm. Um, sometimes it feels too painful, so you don't go too close, too fast. You can sort of feel into it, and the more you focus on it, the more intense it can feel, and like, you, you don't want to sort of back away, but if you can just get to a level where you can just sit with it and just allow it to fade. And then you can sort of come out of that and then go back and, you know, see if the trigger's still there until it goes away. And once, and that does work. I've, like, I've, it's happened to me, my wife has been transformed this year, but, but that, that's what helped with her anxiety. But with other stuff never ha happened. I've worked with other people, you know, members and my clients, I've worked with people with this since I've understood it and, how powerful it is mm. and you know i've had uh, clients who have said my, my you know why where do you where are you feeling this emotion and they say okay what's the trigger oh well it was my dad he always used to put me down okay i said okay where are you feeling that feeling my throat because she, she couldn't be you know she felt like she wasn't being heard and so we actually just went into that sensation she just felt the sensation 
in a in a throat and it's still in, it's still there yes is it still no it's moved where's it moved to it's moved to my heart oh okay interesting and so sometimes it can just move around and you just go with it and as long as you can focus on it without it being too intense because you can you can sort of back yourself away from it then you can just wait until because all your body wants you is wants you to be with it and to say it's okay and so you just allow it uh, and then once that fades a lot of the time unless there's more healing be done then the story around it changes because that's the protection mechanism that you you create you want to feel this pain right we'll do this we'll think this way about this thing but when it's not there anymore your brain has to then reprocess it because there's, there's not there's no longer anything to play there's no belief to have or get around that because it, it isn't it isn't there anymore but as you said it's, it's there can be so many triggers which Aren't, all, aren't always there, you think they're not there, and then something triggers you, you think, oh, I thought I'd get rid of that trigger. Yes, it's, it's a different trigger, but it's the same emotion because it's very similar. So it could be that, it could be a rejection thing, and it could be multiple triggers that trigger it. And so it's a case of going in again and actually be, being with yourself instead of running away and sedating it's about just being there and holding it. The, the other thing I really find interesting is using I am statements. So let's, let's say if you think if you if you have a money story, for example, or you have some kind of health story or some belief, and you could say, you know, I, I am happy. And just when you ask you that, so just ask your body to show me where if, if you if you have a sensation, I am happy, that should just be automatically yes. But if it's not, then just feel in the body where you're happy, feeling. or are you asking yourself, Am I happy? You're not, I'm not asking you saying, I am happy. I'm, you're making a statement, like a statement of truth. Oh, your body will let you know. Wrong. Yes, if, it, if there's a feeling, if it doesn't feel right, mm. that's not true. So with that, the body then gets to show you where the sensation is and where you go. And quite often when you do that, the sensation will bring up a trigger of memory as to why that uh, could be a long lost memory. It could be when you were younger, like that, you know, the one when I was in hospital. Um, because it could be little things. It could be a, a client I had um, had an emotional trigger because she'd been locked in a cupboard when she was younger. Our brothers and sister are locked in a cupboard, but because it had been emotional, and then she felt abandoned by that, she had she sort of skirted around all of that. And it was just, she said, like, oh my God, I was locked in a cupboard when I was younger. And then somebody else was um, made to watch American Werewolf in London when she was seven. Which of course is terrifying to a seven year old, I would be, I would imagine. Um, and again, it was like that emotive connection that was immediately wired to our brain is to see everything, you were good about that. So anything that was a reminder of any of that, different things were created. So, in your nutritional background, is yeah. there anything that specifically really helps with your brain? Because obviously, a lot of these things are because of the brain and stored yeah. memories from the past and, and if we keep yeah. our brain healthy we've got the best chance yeah. of overcoming these things are there certain foods that, that trigger bad things or that can help with them it's it's all subjective because there's no one diet there's no one way for an individual i mean even if you if you felt that or discovered that you are sensitive to gluten for example or dairy which are the most common inflammatory foods uh, that's not necessarily means that it's always going to be that way. It just means that something has to heal. And my, what I believe is, you know, there's three things I call a three-system triangle. There's gut health, of course, the gut 
directly connected to the brain. It's, you know, this this good brain connection, uh, it's often referred to as the second brain because it, when we are embryos, they were in the same place and then they sort of separated at birth. So that's why you know the, the brain and the stomach have got the same amount of neurons. So, you know, there's about the same amount in there. And it's when you feel nervous, you don't feel nervous in your head, you feel in your stomach because that's where the, the bulk of the serotonin is made. Not made up here it's used in the brain but it's, it's it's manufactured in the gut so anything that you ingest that your body doesn't like then you will your body will let let you know so of course you've got things like allergies which are immune responses so you know immediately because they're in like anaphylaxis shock this is very common then you've got intolerances which is more enzyme related which is more like your dairy intolerance because uh, you haven't got an enzyme to break down lactose which is which is lactose we don't manufacture it and then you've got food sensitivities, which is back to your immune system. It's the sensitivities which affect so many people because they take anywhere from five minutes to 72 hours to present themselves after you've eaten something. So you've got to be very switched on to understand your body, to feel something after you eat. Most people aren't because they're distracted or they're watching the TV when they're eating or they're on the go because they've got 10 other things going on. Um, and so... Would you recommend mindful we, eating then? Yes. Well, uh, that's, that's something I advocate with all my clients is the fact that do not watch TV. Just help make eating an experience. You know, allow you know, make it a place where you all get around. If you if you've got a family, just sit around the table together and have a conversation. Eat slowly. You know, um, so you could take mouthful and just put your fork down. Just that habit of putting it down just means you're not shoveling it in. Yeah. You know, you're stopping. You're chewing your food. You, have, you, you say something, and it's so it's so alien to people now because because it's. Food's not an experience to most people, it's it's an inconvenience. It's something oh God, I've got to eat because I've got a million things to do. But you're right, it's all about mindful eating. It's about slowing down and being aware of where you are. Because when so you do that... With eating and you're just mentioning people sitting at the table, it just reminds me of so many adults who have issues because of their childhood and a lot of habits and things that we learned. Like even yes. having an older brother or sister who would eat our food if we didn't eat it, so we had to eat really quickly. So like a yes. habit like that, or eating yes. beyond the point of fullness because we have to eat everything that's on our plate. Now that's one that yeah. I've always had because I was brought up to say you have to eat everything on your plate or you're yeah. going to sit there yeah, until you're falling asleep in your dinner. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you can go either way with that, and you're right. So people can have that. Then there's an emotional trigger to that, and so when I have talked to people who said, "Oh, I, I don't do that. Why not?" And yeah, absolutely, you trail it back and say, "You said." I was made to eat all, all the food that I didn't like. That's and that's another reason why they don't eat half the veggies that you know they could eat because they've got a story from when they were five that they don't like broccoli. Now they're forty and they say I don't like broccoli. Have you had when you had broccoli last when I was five? Mm. So is it absolutely true that you know they don't like broccoli? Well, because your taste buds change as you get older as well, don't they? So they do. Yes, we later on and it's different to how it was when you were younger. Yeah, because when we're younger, we used to have milk, and milk's more like sweet in, in nature, um, which is usually why people get like get things fired and wired in their brains when they're babies, because they usually get, you know, if they're crying, it's usually bottle first, or nappy bottle, or sleep is usually three things babies cry for, or pain. Um, and so the bottle would be always a thing. So you get that sort of wiring of, I don't feel right, I don't feel safe, sweet milk. And then that, I mean, everyone has that, but it just depends later on if it's the same thing when you're a toddler, where um, 
say crap or rubbish, but they do. They, like, they feel like they're indestructible. So that's why you go to pubs, they've got kids' meals, which is all the junk stuff, yeah. mostly. I mean, it's different now. Some pubs are having healthier options or they have chocolate all the time. I've seen I've seen um, adults trying to feed, like force feed six, nine-month-old babies capsules of Coke. I'm thinking, why are you doing that? Mm. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's the thing of, it's hard. I remember saying I was in a shopping mall and I thought, I, I felt like I had to go and ask her why, you, you know, it had nothing to do with me, but I felt so powerful about it and joy. My wife dragged me away. Um, <laughs> I was like, I just couldn't believe what I was saying. thinking, this baby doesn't know anything about cold. Why are you feeling it? It's obviously yeah. a mom's own, you know, insecurities or beliefs or whatever it is, which is fine. I get that. Um, because then she's got that stuff to deal with, but you don't have to impart that on anybody else. But that's what I'm the same though. I mean, I've had to tear myself away from saying something to a mum at the school because her kid fell over and then she yeah. was crying. And then the mum got this massive chocolate bar and goes, There, there, have a chocolate bar. And I just, exactly. oh my God, emotional eater in the making. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, I don't exactly think what there's it is. anything wrong yeah. with chocolate, but as a reward yeah. for crying, um, yeah. you know, that might cause some problems later on. And that's what happens. But anyway, I also wanted to ask you about alcohol in the brain, if you know much information on that. Because I always feel like, you know when um, we always say, oh, the truth comes out when you're drunk. And I feel yes. like alcohol does something where it takes away the conscious brain and goes straight into the subconscious. And so really the truth does come out because you lose all those filters. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does lower your inhibitions, for sure. Yeah, it does change centers in your brain. Does it actually um, like put to sleep the prefrontal cortex? <laughs> It does, yes. It puts puts away that sort of that conscious filter that you build, you know, that world view that you build of the, all your experiences, all that just was weighing. Yes, it, it does give you that. So it's almost like a truth serum, really. Um, but of course, absolutely, it's a toxin and it crosses the blood brain barrier. And, you know, it, it does have a long term effect. I, I was a like a friend of the family, my wife's friend, actually, who uh, got diagnosed with throat cancer a few years ago. and to a doctor because she had a lifestyle where she drank a lot of alcohol and spirits and her diet was very poor. She was she was calls herself a vegetarian but she doesn't like veg either. She just eats cheese and pasta which I find uh I find a lot actually. And she went to a doctor and asked her asked if her lifestyle had, had anything to do with that and he just said no. I thought that was a terrible thing to say. But I bear in mind around the same time there was a lot of adverts about um saying that alcohol can, you know um, it's more susceptible to certain forms of cancers, and I thought that's a, like a very, very bad thing to say. I thought um, because absolutely any kind of toxin over a long period of time is going to have an effect. Um, and you're right, short-term memory, yes, it'll sort of remove the filters, and you'll you'll say stuff. Um, long-term, yeah, it, it does have an effect. But, it's something that alcohol, you know, everyone does it, you know, when they're young. I've, I, you know, I've got more than my fair share of alcohol in the past. Now, I do drink it, but it's, it's it doesn't define, you know, like a Friday night when you used to come back from, from work, from the office, and it was like five bottles of Cronenberg, just sitting watching the telly to, to relax. You know, that's just, that was just, you know, just stories that went through. And so, um, now I, I don't drink very much at all. I'm certainly not driven by it. I certainly don't allow my ego to fire up if I... You know, if I'm somewhere, oh, you got to have more drink. No, I'm quite happy with what I've got. But in the past, it would have, because it was about fear of uh, being rejected, you know, like fitting in, you know, that people pleasing, which is something else that affects so, so many people. Mm. But that's, again, as alcohol being one of those things that you reach for, 
like I said, yes. the boredom, it could be let's have alcohol because yeah. that will take away yeah. the boredom. Yeah. So if yours yeah. was like the people-pleasing, rejection, whatever, it's have yeah. the alcohol and then those things won't happen. It's just not dealing with That's the actual right. emotion. Yeah. That's right. So then it doesn't go said, away. Oh. You still have to deal with it the next time it comes up. Well, exactly. That's the thing. And that's why people get in such um, positions, I suppose you could see it. You could sort of like their own sort of metaphorical prisons, I guess, where they keep going to this place, keep going to this place. Um, and, you know, when once if people do, I use the word escape, but, the, you know, they're no longer going to that place. They realise that they have escaped, they realise that, that what kind of hold this did have because they weren't facing, you know, what was you know having an effect like you said boredom there i had a client this year it was the same thing i'm bored not bored i am and so you that's what he's saying so he ate mm. so there's not anybody it's something else um but uh he wasn't able or willing to face to go and deal with that so that was that's fine too I just wasn't like boredom is actually a big problem for a lot of people because we have like instant results with text messages, social media, all that kind of thing. It's, it's all instant, isn't it? We get a lot of fast reactions from things throughout the day. We could be really busy yeah. as well, really stressed, our minds going on overdrive. To then yeah. stop and sit and just do nothing, to be with yeah. ourselves and know how that feels without having a distraction. Because we constantly have the phone. So even if you're in the queue to pay for your petrol, I've done it myself yeah. and seen myself going, why do I need my phone? I'm just yes. in a queue. Can I not be with myself just for a few moments? Yeah, so I feel like totally. that's that's becoming a big problem with people is that the boredom it's, thing comes yeah. up. I'm bored being by myself, bored being alone, did, bored doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's because when you do nothing, it's the silence and people don't like to be with their thoughts mm. because there's a distraction from thoughts. So they just say a phone's the perfect thing, which is why I'm seeing you know, even bigger, you know, it's almost become a pandemic of sort of um, people who are overweight or you know who are unhappy or are stressed who are, have depression or low moods or have anxieties because they're not able to deal with things because it's too easy to distract from the things that are causing pain and of course phones for example might switch off on here but those things then have their own problems because you're on social media then you're comparing your life to somebody else's and somebody else's always looks better because it's the shop window version where you know oh, my life's rosy when it's not because everyone's got their own stuff to deal with. Um, or like uh, a living expectation, you know, the, the, the feel like the life has to be a certain way. And when it's not, again, that's when people, you know, get anxious because why why is my life not like this? Why is my life not like theirs? Well, when I did that, it's not how I expected it to be. I was talking to a coach a few years ago. He went up Everest base camp. Um, and... When he, came, he actually got airlifted on the way down because he got the, the altitude sickness that I can't remember what it was called. And he ended up in hospital for a week and he was really annoyed for so a lot. But, but half the week he lay his thoughts because he had an expectation of how his adventure was going to be. And of course, he ended up in hospital. But then he started thinking about, you know, I've actually been up there. I did this, I did that. And then you start changing your perception. You think, okay, it didn't have to be that way, the way I thought it was going to be, but I still did this, 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 and this, this. And when you start looking at it from a different way, then you realize that expectations just, and you start appreciating, you know, appreciation just smashes expectation out of the, out of yeah. the water because then you appreciate what you've already had, what you've already done, as opposed to what you expected it to be. Yeah, I do think being grateful is um, one of the keys to happiness. Um, I think it is. But as you're saying there, just about social media and everything, it just made me think of a question that don't you just think life is so hard when you're aware? 
because the more you learn and the more awareness you have about mindset and everything, there's just so many things that we don't want to be doing and that you could just easily get into a habit and a pattern of doing and you have to constantly stop yourself almost from doing these things. Like you're saying yes. about the phone and I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I tried to meditate. I haven't got into a yeah. good habit of meditating yet, which is why I like doing hypnotherapy for people because sometimes if I'm doing it for them, I get myself into a meditative state. Um, yeah. But then if I wake up in the morning, I might reach for my phone and then start going on it. And I say to myself, no, do a bit of meditation first, then have your phone. But it's like constantly, yeah. because I'm aware of these things and know how unhealthy they are for me, I'll be constantly thinking about what I need to do to be better. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I totally agree with that. So there's, there's, there's times in my past when I thought, why did I become more self-aware? Like <laughs> ignorance is bliss, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is, yes. And so I mean, you think, something I wish I could. It's almost like, <laughs> it's like the film The Matrix, isn't it? You know, when yeah. you, you become awareness and that guy wanted to be back in because you'd had enough of that yeah, reality. Like, <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be put back in. And I, I totally get that, yeah, um, because... But then actually life wasn't easier then, because you know when you just behave, you have all of these behaviours because of your emotions, yes. because of things in the past, and you just acted out, and then the world acted back to you, and then you felt yeah. like a victim. Or I say you, yes. but I, I would have felt like a victim because of the way yeah. I'm acting, but not realising that having any awareness or acknowledging that I'm actually doing it myself. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think it's always better to have more self-awareness, but as you say, it's like it, it comes with that that tag of it's exhausting. But when you don't know, you don't have to deal with it. Um, but um, I think if I hadn't gotten to that point, I would still be in IT, not being happy um, and not dealing with things, and then finding some other distraction. I think sometimes you've got to just stop and think, okay, I'm not happy here. What's making me unhappy? So I do believe that it's a let go. What's making you unhappy before you can have happiness? You can't be happy when you're dragging stuff along that you don't like because that means you're not addressing it. That makes sense. Yeah, head in the sand. Yeah, it yeah, go exactly. Away. Yeah, and I've done that. And it, you know, you can't run away from anything because it's inside you anyway. It follows you around. Mm. Like you think you can, you know, and you, and you just want to run away from the world. But that's again, that's just a, it's just a brain and being a fight or flight being because it's, it feels unsafe. Um, I was listening get... to a video actually about um, reflecting, no projecting, so projecting yeah. things that you're maybe, like I said, I was an angry person, so in that scenario yeah. it would be, I'm suppressing my own anger, so therefore I end up meeting a load of angry people, yes. does that make sense, so like you're projecting it out and then that's what you receive back. Yeah, it's your energy, yeah, whatever energy is, it's like, so if you saw it, like, well, I've done this before as well, where, you know, when I've tried to help people, or I put an offer out, and you just get crickets, or, um, tumbleweeds. weeds, it's because, I, like, it might, it was because I was coming from a place of need, and scarcity, and lack, because I needed money, and so you put that energy out, and you just, you either attract no, no, no one, or needy people, you attract what you give out, is you're right, yeah, you wouldn't resonate with it otherwise, it's like, um, like things like judgment, you know, if you're like, if you're judging somebody else by calling them a name or saying look at them or, you know, having an opinion about something, you can't see that unless you're in yourself. Yeah. There's, there's just no resonance there. But, it, you know, so that's why some people are just not even aware of certain things. They're just on that higher frequency. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like, love, like all the good stuff, like the higher frequency stuff. When you're in this place most of the time, they just don't even see the other stuff. They're just not even in that awareness. But then if you're in like fear, you're scared of stuff. Again, I know financial stuff drives and all that did for me. Um, but it could be the fact that you're not 
a part of something or you're single or, you know, like there's something that's driving you away, then you're in this different energy or you might be ashamed of something or guilty of some, feeling guilty about something which is very low vibration energy. But when we focus on that, we just get more of it because that's, that's where our energy is. But, you know, so I think it's really important to really just stop and look at what language we're using every day and what we're saying, you know, I haven't got this, haven't got that, haven't achieved that, haven't done that. Instead of turning that wrong thing, I'm very grateful for what I have already. And as you said before, it's the most powerful thing to do, to have that admission that I'm already great. I already have everything I need right around me. You know, everything else is just stuff, you know, unless it's something you want to achieve, by which you might be want to inspire and empower more people or have a bigger impact just to help other people. Yeah. That's, that, that's then the, even that's like an appreciation like that, that you're able to do that. So that's what I have to look at now. Every day when I wake up, it's like, I appreciate that I woke up. Actually, I'm thankful that I've got another day on this planet. And that then starts putting my mind in the right place as opposed to where it used to be, where I used to be, oh, I've got to do this. This isn't working. I don't want to do this anymore. And then, then so you what do you do about way. the habitual thinking? So you may have changed your mindset and you may be a more positive person and you, you do things mm. out of a comfort zone. But what about if it was a habit for you to have like an inner critic? So you're about to do a video, podcast, whatever, and then your inner critic yeah. pops up and is like, oh, I don't think you've got anything good to say today. You know, because some of those thoughts are habitual, aren't they? How do you stop the habit? Uh, emotional healing. That's what's happened this year for me. It changes the whole story because I actually say, like, if you, before you do it, you sit and think, okay, I'm going to do a video. How do I feel? And your body will give you a feeling. It could be nervousness in the stomach, which is a common one. Um, and so then you can then go in and feel into that feeling and say, okay, let's see what this, let's clear what this energy is. Let's resolve whatever that is and then it'll disappear. And once that's gone, then you, you've changed the energy straight away and then you can, Go in there. I agree. It's usually when you try and think about um, when you try to think of things to say you can't think. But if you just allow it to come through, yeah, it's always there. Which is why I did so many videos. There was days when I got that and thought I've got nothing to say at the day because I was trying to think about it. Yeah. But if I just felt myself just stop and breathe, something always popped up. There was always something to talk about. Sometimes it wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but it was, it was it came up, so it must have been important that day. Um, you know, but maybe I love that. With Sometimes I do that when I do calls with people, and it may just be that I've got nothing to say, but I'll just breathe. Therefore, I'm yeah. in a calm place, and I just say stuff, and then I'm, I might hear myself, and I'll be like, oh, I didn't know I was thinking that, <laughs> but obviously I am. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's because you've calmed your mind. Mm allow your intuition to come out or otherwise you might filter things through the person you're talking to because if you get a chance to think you can stop yourself from saying something or change it to what you think they're going to say or the, how they're not going to judge you so you're not really being yeah. your true self yes exactly yes we do that a lot people pleasing is a very i know it's not a label but it's mm. it's just the easiest way to think that you're saying something that isn't congruent with yourself yeah so they, you don't feel rejected by them um, and you know, so many people do it, and so many people do it without any consciousness whatsoever. Uh, but they will have a feeling, um, you know, usually resentment, uh, because you know, it's, it's usually when you're gonna let's say you found 10 pounds in your pocket and you think, oh, I've got designs on that, what can I spend that on? And then my wife says, Oh, Sam needs 10 pounds for school, absolutely. I'm gonna say, Oh, okay, easy come, easy go, there you go. 
but subconsciously my brain had already thought that was for me. And even though that was, you know, that was, you know, that was a cool thing to do, and that's fine. There'll be at some level unconsciously there will be resentment there because something you were going to do, then you did it for something else first. So you pleased somebody else first. You did something else for somebody else before yourself. And when we do that, that's when we have that feeling, and it's there. You might you might feel a sensation and not. Uh, that's the saying no thing though, isn't it? But it's tricky when you're a parent because obviously in your scenario that's your son, yeah, so you, you want to is. kind of always, as parents, we want to do for our kids first, don't we? But and we really yeah. should be doing for us first, otherwise we're no good that's to right. him. Exactly, and exactly that's exactly right. And you know that's it's so it's so important to realise the fact that if you put yourself first, you're in a good place and you've got a good energy and you can get better energy out than if you're in a bad place. Uh, if you've been running ragged, if you're putting everyone else first, and you're a bit resented for the fact that you've just never got any time for yourself, and you're stressed and overwhelmed, that energy is never going to help anybody else. Yet you're still trying to give it out. You might be running at 30%. That's all you can ever give out is 30% energy. But if you sort of give yourself time to breathe, create some space for yourself, it doesn't have to be long. And I don't. I really don't think it's. I mean, yeah, you could call it selfish, but I think sometimes selfishness is like it's kind of put yourself first. Yeah, you call it selfishness, but it's. It makes you happy because you've done something yes. for you, and then you come. To, you know, you can recognize you did that. Well, feel better about yourself, so your energy goes up because you've done something for yourself. Then you're doing stuff for other things. That's like fulfillment. You're fulfilling some need there, but after the fact, after you put yourself first, because once you do that, then you're radiating energy. You know, I've all, you know, I've always I'm aware of that fact that I'm not in a great place in that day because I haven't done something like something for Sam, my son. <laughs> I go to the gym after I drop off at school and sometimes he's late, so I don't get the full session in. I feel resentment. I feel sick of telling him just to be ready for such and such a time. But really, it's for me to say, Sam, I go to the gym, I'll like to train for an hour. I'd like you to get ready earlier. Otherwise, you just have to get a bus. It's, you know, instead of allowing that resentment to then become anger and frustration, and then you know some kind of misplaced energy comes out and you shout at them, it's like, okay, I need to express that. That's otherwise I'm repressing it. Mm. I'm repressing mm. the feeling, and then that's going to build up and then explode, which is what road rage is about, and all that other stuff is just we just can repress, repress. Oh, it's repress, so repress. hard to be a good person, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So I do that as well. I even I shouted at the dog earlier because I was walking down the stairs and he ran into the back of my leg and I almost fell down the stairs and I was like, oh, I'm so angry. And I just said yeah. to my daughter, okay, I've acknowledged I was angry, now I let it go, it's not the dog's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So rather than suppress the anger, I'm like, okay, I'll let it out, I'll have a bit of a scream, but then I'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, that, exactly. That's, I think that's, it's when we keep repressing stuff, that is just then manifesting something else. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and I see it a lot with guys. I mean, you know, there's no... No coincidence, like guys and getting in their 40s, like that's like suicide rates are going up and up and up because they feel like they can't express anything, they repress everything. Guys have that stigma of being, you know, the strong, silent type, you know, you have to be the rock, yeah. uh, you have to be the strong one. But now, for me, when I talk with, like, especially male clients, is, you know, I want you to express, I want you to get that out because it doesn't do any good. You know, this is when, you know, you shout your kids, you shout your wife, there's, there's no good relationships there because you're, and things that are desperate to come out and you're not allowing yourself to express that and because of that then it leaks out in any way because energy is meant to flow yeah uh, and so if it doesn't come out the way to vocalize it and the way you want it to it'll come out some other way and it could you know could come out as 
pain, as we talked about earlier, could come out as some, you know, like it could be a, a coronavirus. It's quite a surprise, isn't it? Because, like, what is it? They say energy, emotion is energy in motion, isn't it? So you need to yes. like, get those yeah. tears out and just cry. Which is why it's good to have guys like you talking about your emotions, because then other guys will watch it and feel like that's okay to do that. Well, that's it. Uh, and, you know, I, I wasn't always in that place. Again, it was, I think it was because I'm a northerner. Northerners, like, there's all, like, pit villages and all that kind of stuff. It's, it was always, like, you know, we, we never showed emotions. And when I started going down the uh, train with Jeff Thompson, I think it was about 2010, 2009, 2010, um, you know, this is this big, rough, tough guy, you know, like, um, and the first thing he did was hug me and kiss me on the cheek. And that was, that was, that was like, whoa, what's that? <laughs> was like, I wasn't expecting that. I'm not, that would, it made me feel very uncomfortable. And I didn't know why. And that was the thing. Well, why did I feel so uncomfortable with that? That's not the done thing. Why is it not the done thing? Mm. And it was like, okay, it's because I'm repressing something here. I think that if I show this, then I would, then people would ridicule me or people, you know, reject me or judge me or whatever that was. And so it was never done, but... The more I went down there, that, as I said, that awareness and that, you know, being around Jeff and reading all Jeff's books because he's wrote the loads, um, it was just like, wow, it was just, it was just part of that awakening process back then. That just started opening up and opening up and realizing that, you know, it's not a weakness to ask for help. It's not a weakness um, to be vulnerable to say, look, I'm struggling. It's actually probably the most powerful thing you would ever do. It's, you know, the energy and power from that is more than anything else. You know, it's more than anything, you know, like guys going to the gym and getting rough, you know, big and jacked and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Those guys are usually the ones that hide the most. I know because I've been there. Um, but if you had that that strength and power to say, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in trouble, I'm struggling here. I, you know, I feel this way. The actual, what really happens is people actually reach out and help because Another thing about energy is, you know, like giving and receiving. So if somebody, if I, like I've asked for help before with business like six years ago, and I really didn't want to do it because I was admitting I'm useless. I can't do this myself. I'm no good. That's what I felt. But in reality, it was like, I've never done this before. And like a lot of people have done this successfully. Let's just ask them. It's, there's no judgment there. And when I did ask, it was like, was massively powerful. Like the amount of people who wanted to help and and, and did freely just said, oh, do this, do that. People messaged me, people texted me. Uh, and it was just such a great thing because people love giving because it makes them feel good to help somebody else feel good. Mm. So many people block receiving because they don't feel like good enough to receive. Or, no, I don't want that. That means I'm not good enough because I couldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, Have you but, tried doing the giving it? giving something without anyone knowing that you did it. So again, sorry, I missed that. Have you tried giving something without anyone knowing that you did it? That's the most powerful thing you could do. Anonymous service, I call that. Um, That's actually really hard. I remember the first time I tried to do that, it actually yeah. brought up a lot of feelings in me because I was like, I just want to tell someone, even if it's not the person, just tell yeah, someone yeah, yeah. else. And it reminded you, you me were... of being a child when I used to I tidied my mum's house and I would have to write on the list yeah. everything I did yeah. just so she knew yeah. because if she didn't know then it wouldn't count. So it's, yeah. it's so strange, isn't it, that I needed that like recognition for what I'd done. 
Yeah, and that, that, that's needing validation, and that does come from childhood for that very reason, yeah. whether it's your parents or, or teachers, the same thing, you know, good boy, good boy, no get school stars. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so true. It really is true. It's, it's, it's mm. amazing um, thing. We're, we're coming to the end now, so I just, because um, I had a load of stuff that I wanted to talk about, but I prefer anyway for it to just go how it has done, where we just talk freely and just let it flow. Yeah. So just in case Good. I haven't covered anything that you particularly wanted to talk about, is there anything that you wanted to say before we end? Um, no, not really. Um, that's really covered everything that, you know, what I currently believe. I, I do believe that, we're, you know, we're open all possibilities and opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, I, do, I do believe, like, how we do one thing, we do all things. Um, both what I would say, even like, I'm going to say good and bad, but whatever good bad means to you, say whatever serves you and doesn't serve you, because everyone's got a different meaning of, of words and labels yeah. uh so really that's 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 the main thing i want to get forward is like the journey i've had that awakening as you said it's yeah. as much as it feels at times that you just just don't want to listen to it it's 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 where your intuition is guiding you to go and uh and now that i know about sort of things i know especially about, uh, emotional healing and the fact that you know anything Anything that you you can't do, let's say, you know, when someone says, oh, I could never do that. Why? That's just a story playing. Because really, we could do anything, absolutely anything at all. This is something I've been really contemplating recently is the fact that if I can't do something, I have, I feel unsafe by doing it. If I feel unsafe, there's some emotional healing or there's something repressed in me. I'm not expressing myself in a way. There's a reason why, usually because it's judgment and ridicule and all that kind of thing and humiliation. That's what a lot of people think. If I do that, like, let's say if you got up and did some karaoke and you did it sober. Uh, now, there's a thing for a lot of people because usually people are drunk and they're in pubs and all that kind of stuff. That, or like, you, you did, did um, stand-up comedy. You know, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of people now are, like, doing stand-up comedy, com uh, comedy just, you know, they've never done it before because they want to confront their fears, I suppose you could say. Um, but... Anything like that, if you feel like you can't do it, there's just, there is a story playing. There is something in there that you get to address. Mm -hmm. And I would do that by emotional healing and asking, show, body show me where I am feeling humiliation, ridicule, judgment. And it's, it's always there. There's always something that comes up. Because in reality, we should be able to do anything we want. Like whether it's shooting videos, you know, some people are like terrified about doing videos, live streams and social media, for example. Um, I do that, I do them as and when I feel like I want to do them now. But I remember in the past thing, or if someone asks me a question that I can't answer, or they might tell me I'm wrong, or they might just, you know, try and ridicule me while I'm not doing them. But now I get asked that question, what what is that really? Show me where that is. And then I get to look into that that sensation, that feeling in the body and being able to resolve it and clear it, then I can see whether I feel different about it. And usually you do. If you, if you don't, there's more to clear. There's more to heal. Some things are big, which need a bit more work. Mm. But I, do, I really do think that if we're not doing anything that we we could do, you know, we do it, you know, it doesn't mean to say we have to do it, but if there's things that we really deep down would love to have done but haven't and made every excuse why, I'm too old. Uh, you know, uh, or too young, or whatever the excuses are. I think really, that's just that. That's the next thing you need to go and address. Does that makes sense. Yeah. And is that obviously you're doing the fitness and nutrition as well? Is that the kind of coaching that you offer as well? 
Yes, I've got I've got a gym at the at the moment, but I'll, I'll be honest, it's it's something that I, I I love doing and I love helping people, and that's the capacity. But I I really am I'm really passionate about the emotional healing side and the neuroscience side and the coaching side and being able to move people past that. Um, so you know I'm doing a lot more online coaching now, and I'm only doing it online just because I can reach more people. Yeah. You know I'll do it face to face if that's that's if that's what's required. Um, but really, it's just be able to have a bigger impact because you know people will resonate with your message, but they might not all resonate where you live. But it could, yeah. you know, there's so many people on the planet mm-hmm. that you could help. That um, I'm very interested in sort of bringing bringing awareness to that, especially for for men. Uh, I see a lot of successful guys who are driven for financial success, but it's to the detriment of the health and relationships for themselves, family, friends, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I've got a kind of passion for that, like being able to, I really believe that if you have been successful at one thing, I always talk about this in martial arts, if you could perfect your right cross, you know, there's a perfect right cross, you can deliver that every time. That template or blueprint of how you mastered that would be more than anything. Yeah, Yeah. like if you're Um, confident at work, you could also be confident in relationships. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So that you take that success that they've brought, mm-hmm. even though they might feel hollow and empty and burnt out because they've driven themselves to that because they thought that's where it was. And usually when you get there, you think it wasn't all that. I've done that now, what? And then you look back and you see everything in your wake that you've neglected, including yourself. But you can actually, I believe, take that as a template and say, yes, well, I can actually... I have that success there, I can apply that to myself and apply that to my relationship with my kids, with my wife, friends, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I do it really see... It sounds very much like NLP, and when I was listening to your videos earlier, I thought, I'm sure you've done NLP. Yeah, I've never done NLP. So the energy know, work, what do, you, what do you call that? The, the energy work that I, I'm, I'm doing now? Yeah. Um, it's just the feeling code, I call it the feeling code. Um, so that's just about emotional stuff and uh, the neuroscience that I learned was through uh, um, something called Mind Map Mastery. It was a course um, by a guy who's... Mind Maps also in NLP? The Mind Map Mastery it was called. The thing is, um, it's possibly got elements of NLP in it. Well, um, NLP is a collection it, of other things anyway. Yeah, I think everyone has everything. So because that's what makes everybody unique, isn't it? So I haven't done NLP, but I've done something else, which somebody else might have done NLP and brought that into that yeah. part, and, you know, filled that gap. So I brought that to what I do. And so I've done the mind map thing here, but I've also brought feeling code in here. And then I've yeah. brought my beliefs about nutrition in here. So that makes that a unique program. Um, or like or beliefs, I suppose, or message, I suppose you could say. And so that's so it's absolutely true. I mean, sometimes I've had people say, well, that's, you must have done this, just, just, just like what you've done there. I thought, I'm very nervous. Oh, just like I've seen that in, in that. I thought, okay, well, it's probably because who I learned that off. Mm. It's, it's not, and that's what's so great about, you know, people worry about being copied, and I used to as well. But you can't be copied if you're authentically yourself. You're yeah. always. Well, that's the thing I love about true. these things anyway. They're just tools. And then you use your intuition with what who's in front of you and with what's going on today. Because if you have an idea, exactly. like you can't really say, well, that's X and that needs that tool because it, that's different yeah. for that person to how it is with another. Yeah, um, exactly. but we're going to have to finish now because I've got school work yes. to go to. So could you oh, yes, course, share yes. with us your website and contact details if anyone's interested in getting in contact with you? 
Yeah, sure. If you're interested, uh, I have a couple of websites. One's deancolson.co.uk, which is really my blog, and when I, I like random a lot of things on there. And my coaching business is theleanwarrior.com, which is uh, all about online coaching. And yes, there's element. There's all it's all based on the health paradigm, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So if you want to get in touch with me, you'll be able to get in touch with me there. Thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed getting to know you and um, interviewing you. It's been fun. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. See ya.